You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. The word this morning, let me invite you to turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 1. And that is our prayer every week. Uh, I've shared with you before, that's one of the songs that uh, I listen to on a Sunday morning. Uh, just in preparation for uh, preaching, because that is what we are longing for. We are longing for God to speak through His Word. Uh, this is not an insignificant moment that we come to uh, each and every week when we open up God's Word to hear Him speak. Uh, and uh, certainly as we think about the prophet Ezekiel and his role, his task in bringing God's Word to God's people He was coming to bring the Word of God, and what an important task that was. And when God speaks, we listen, because it is His Word. So we are walking through Ezekiel together, and we're asking that question, can these bones live, that God asked Ezekiel uh, in Ezekiel chapter 37. And of course, the answer to that question is God only knows. God only you know whether these bones can live because at the end of the day, only God can raise dry bones to life and only God can cause the spiritually dead to be alive again and only God can raise a spiritually rebellious people back to, uh, back to serving Him again. And so the, the truth that we keep coming back to each week is this. God sovereignly saves and restores His people for His purpose and His glory. And yet even in the midst of that, my heart is for us, not for the people of Israel as much as it is for us to be reminded um, that God can and is willing to raise up a army here at Southwide for the sake of His gospel across our community. I really believe that. I'm really praying that God would raise up an army of people that would take the gospel to every place in this community. We've already seen the power of the gospel at work in saving one last week. We are just so thankful that God has done that. God, Amen. Amen, brother. God has done that. Praise the Lord. We want to see lots of people come to faith in Christ out of darkness and brokenness and find hope that is found in Jesus. And I just believe with all of my heart that even through a remnant, a small number of people, that God can absolutely do an incredible work for His glory. But only God can do that. In the midst of God doing it, there are some things that accompany His doing that in our lives and in our church. One of those things that we looked at was last week. We must be a people who have a vision for the glory of God. We need a supremely greater vision for the glory of God than we have for anything else. That's the kind of people, very foundationally, that's the first characteristic of the people that God would raise up to serve Him and to, and to build a great army for the Gospel. Is that we would completely lay down ourselves and live only for His glory. For His namesake. 
so that we would have a vision for God's glory. But the second characteristic, and we're looking at these all throughout this book, there is another thing that is necessary or that accompanies God raising up a people for himself. And that is a voice for God's word, a voice for God's word. So I want to invite you to stand with me if you found your place in honor of the reading of God's word. And we will hear his voice as we read Ezekiel chapter two and about middle way through chapter three. This is the vision of God to Ezekiel. And after he falls on his face, let's actually read the last verse or the last half of the last verse of chapter one. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And it says that Ezekiel, when he saw it, I fell on my face. And notice this next phrase. And I heard the voice of one speaking. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, Be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like That rebellious house, open your mouth and eat what I give you. When I looked, behold, a hand stretched out to me and behold, a scroll of of a book was in it and he spread it before me and it had writing on the front and on the back. And there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them, for you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel Not to many people, peoples of foreign speech and a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me. Because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, have I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. 
Moreover, he said to me, son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears and go to the exiles, to your people and speak them to, and speak them and say to them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. Then the spirit lifted me up. And I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another. And the sound of the wheels beside them. And the sound of a great earthquake. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. The hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Telebib who were dwelling by the, Chabar, the Kabar Canal. And I, said, and I sat where they were dwelling, and I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that as we open Your Word again this morning, that we would be overwhelmed as Ezekiel was with a vision of Your glory. God, would You remind us of how Incredibly um, humbling it is to hear from You. Lord, I pray that You would remind us that You have spoken to us through Your Word and it is our instruction. And God, remind us that You require our attention and our obedience. And more than that, You've called us to a mission. God, You've called us to proclaim this Word. And so I pray... God, that You would show us that clearly in Your Word this morning and that we would be obedient to the task because You're worthy. Lord, if there's someone here who's never been born again, we've already prayed, but we ask again, God, that You, by Your Word, would bring about new birth. For Your Word says that faith comes through hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so we pray that as the Gospel is heard this morning, that people would trust in You. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So we left off the last couple of weeks looking at the vision of the Lord to Isaiah. Of course, some weird things. If you were with us last week, you'll know that there was this image of four beasts with four heads each and angelic creatures and those those creatures were sitting atop of, or were underneath a platform, holding a platform up, sitting atop wheels and moving back and forth as however they wanted to go as the Spirit moved them, they could move because they were following the will of the one who sat on the throne. And, and we looked at that last week and what it means to, for Jesus to be the one who sits on the throne and to have a vision for the glory of God above anything else the last two weeks. The vision leaves off with Ezekiel on his face before the Lord. That's what it says in verse 28. I fell on my face, which is the only proper response when it comes to having an encounter with God is to just to simply humble ourselves before him because he is holy and righteous and we are sinners and we are in need of his mercy. The only thing that we can do is fall on our face before the Lord and beg for his mercy. But that's where the vision leaves off. And it picks up with this interesting picture. He fell on his face and at the end it says, I heard the voice of one speaking. Rather than being cast into outer darkness and taken off the face of the planet because of Ezekiel's sin, 
He says to Ezekiel, I'm going to speak to you today. And this is profound. The vision of the glory of God separate, high and lifted up, apart from His people, in the midst of this transcendent picture of God above all things. This same God now speaks personally to a man. If you know who God is, this should take you way off guard that God should speak to a sinner. It's profound that God would speak to His people. God had not remained silent. God desired to speak. The entire point of this passage is to remind us that God is not silent. And He has, in fact, spoken to His people. In fact, the whole point of the whole book is to remind us that, the, that, that God's Word is built on this very premise that God has something to say. He has a message to communicate. God, the God, the Creator of the universe, the God of heaven is not silent and not distant and not passive when it comes to human history or human activity or human endeavors. God speaks in the midst of those things. And in fact, His Word teaches that He has spoken. The very core of the reality of this passage is that God has spoken. And at the very core of that promise is the reality that what God has spoken has been recorded, written down in His written Word. This is what God communicates to His people. So how do we know that? I want you to notice a couple of things before we even really get into the meat of the passage. We need to do a flyover and see what's going on in the passage. All throughout this passage, notice notice that there is, there is a reference again and again to God speaking. And then there's a transition right in the middle of chapter two uh, to or right in the middle of chapter two to transition to the written word of God. So directly from his spoken word to his written word. Notice it. Look at verse 28 with me. Chapter one, verse 28, the voice of one speaking. There's the reference to God speaking. And in chapter two and verse two, son of man, stand on your feet. I will speak to you. Chapter 2 and verse 3, I heard him speaking to me. Chapter 2, verse 4, thus says the Lord God. (laughs) Ezekiel's not about to proclaim what he is saying to the voice or to the people of Israel. He's proclaiming, thus says the Lord God. Chapter 2, verse 7, and you shall speak my words to them. There's a deep concern that we understand who it is in this book that is speaking. And it is God. God wants to be heard. But notice the transition there in verse 8. He says in verse 8, Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And he says, here's what he's going to give him. A scroll of a book was in it, in his hand. And he spread it before me. And it had writing on the front and on the back. So there's the word writing on a scroll. And there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. This is a written communication. And so the transition continues. Chapter 3, verse 1. We see the scroll over and over. Eat this scroll and go and speak. The direct implication of having the scroll is that he would go and and speak. Chapter 3, verse 2. 
He gave me this scroll to eat. Verse 3, feed your belly with this scroll. And then again, just as a reminder that this scroll in verse 4, speak my words to them. It's His words. Verse 10, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart and hear with your ears. And then the implication is, verse 11, go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them and say to them, thus says the Lord. And then as we saw last week, verse 12, I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake, the sound of wings, the sound of wheels, the sound of an earthquake, a great earthquake. It's the picture of that vision, the the tumult of the wings. It is the voice of God, he told us in chapter 1. It's a representation. At the core of Ezekiel's ministry is the conviction that God has something to say and that if God has something to say, the people of God must listen. Let me say that for you again. The Bible has been given because God has spoken and we must listen. That's the intent. It's always been true. And that word is not just in a spoken, audible form. That word is written. It always has been written from the tablets of stone to the scrolls that His Word was written on and kept in the ark to the Bible that we have in our hands today. The Bible, the Word of God has always been written and it, has been, it is intended that whenever God speaks, God's people pay attention and listen and obey. Because God has something to say. So when we come to this book, this book, I want you to hear me very carefully this morning. God's written word is not a matter of man's opinion. God's written word is not a list of archaic principles that were given hundreds of years ago that have no meaning today. God's word is his voice, his word to his people. And when he speaks... We listen. We must listen. I want you to just, I want you to just think on this and, and realize this because Ezekiel, whenever he has this, this epiphany that God is speaking to him, it's not something that he just kind of casually observes. At the end of the passage, we're told that he goes away and he's completely overwhelmed for seven days that the God of heaven would speak to him. And my friend, we have God's Word to us today and it should absolutely overwhelm us that the God of the universe who created us, who knows us by name, informed everything that we see every day and who is ordering human history by His will would take the time to speak to sinners like me and like you. It's an amazing thought. But if we're going to get to the reality of what the passage is after, that truth, yes, holds sway and it should be fundamental to our Christian life. But there is something that is calling us even beyond to recognize the word for our own selves personally beyond that in the passage. If we're going to get to the main point of the passage, we need to notice at least one other thing here. You have this strange imagery and some of you as you read last week, you're going, I don't know how much weirder this can get, but I don't know about you, but I'm not thinking about a scroll for lunch. I'm just not. 
So what in the world is God saying to Ezekiel, giving him this scroll? He says in verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when, he, when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. Continues that thought. Chapter 3, verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find there. Eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel. And it says he opened his mouth and ate the scroll. And it was sweet, even as sweet as honey. So what could this picture in Ezekiel's vision mean? Well, it means at least two things. One of them we'll unpack more in a moment. And that is that the word had to be received by Ezekiel personally. It's a picture of him receiving the word that God is giving. Eat the word, he's saying. It's not an unfamiliar imagery to God's word. It's not foreign to the the pages of Scripture. In fact, you're familiar with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He would later say that we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. This is not an unfamiliar picture in God's Word. To eat His Word. And in fact, it is not Jesus alone who picked up on it. That's a direct quote almost from Deuteronomy 8 where they were told to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. There is this eating picture of, of how we, we feast on God's Word. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were in First Peter, and we talked about how the Word was like pure milk, and we grow thereby. They are the words of life. And so, rather, Ezekiel is to eat this Word to ingest this Word, to make it, to get it down deep within him and to receive it as his own. And so it means to receive it personally. But the other thing that it means is what gets to the heart of what's really being taught in this passage. Much is made here about God speaking and then giving that Word to Ezekiel in written form and then placing it in his belly down deep within him But all of that is written in order that Ezekiel might speak that word. That's the point of the passage. It's what he says in chapter 2, verse 2, I send you to the people of Israel. Chapter 2, verse 4, I send you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 1, we just read, eat this scroll and then go speak. Or or verse 1, verse 4, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. Verse 10 and 11, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart, hear with your ears, and then go to the exiles, to your your people, and speak to them, and say to them, thus says the Lord God. The point of the passage is that not only has God opened His mouth and written His word for Ezekiel and placed that deep within him, but that there is a clear call on Ezekiel's life to actually speak the word as well. To put it in maybe some different terms, to give the word a voice so that it could be heard by all people. This is almost always the pattern of Scripture. God calls someone to give His word a voice. He wants His people to give His word a voice. And that is the message to us 
this morning from the prophet. The people of God must give God's word a voice so that it is heard by the world. The people of God must give God's word a voice so that it is heard by the world. It's actually the same truth that I just gave you when God speaks, we listen. The Bible has been given because God has spoken and we must listen. But the burden of the text places it on us to actually speak that word so that people will listen. That's the call of the passage. In fact, this word, the very heart of the passage is emphasizing the fact that people are not going to receive the word unless the prophet goes. He must obey. That's the call on Ezekiel's life. Now, if you're a careful reader, and I hope that you are, I hope that you examine God's Word in context and you go, okay, well, what is this saying to this people? I hope that you're doing that. The careful reader is going to recognize that the imperative here to go, to, to go and, and, and speak the Word, the imperative is not on the people of Israel, the imperative is on the prophet Ezekiel. The, the imperative is given to him. He has a unique call to the prophetic ministry. But I want you to notice, just if, as you read through the passage, notice how much he blurs the lines. God blurs the lines between the responsibility of the prophet and the responsibility of the people. Again and again. Chapter 2, verse 8, he reminds him this word is not just for the people to obey. He goes to them and says, You're supposed to obey this word too. You, son of man, hear what I say to you. Don't be rebellious like that rebellious house. The same thing, he's feeding on the word in chapter 3 and verse 3. Chapter 10, he's receiving all the words in his uh, his heart and with his ears. He's to receive those words. There is a blurring of the lines between the responsibility of the prophet, which is unique, a unique uh, a unique task in proclaiming the word and the, response of the responsibility of the people. It's a unique blending there. And it reminds us that it's not just Ezekiel that was called to proclaim the word. For this time and this place, yes, for a specific task, but this is just one expression of the rest of the Bible. I mean, think about it. One of the most famous verses in all of Scripture in the Old Testament, for sure, Deuteronomy 6, the the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The commandment, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. But notice verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. There is, a, there is a need in the life of God's people not only to hear and obey God's Word, but to actually continue to speak and teach God's Word. And it's not just on the prophet. It's on the people. And there's a call to that. We see in the prophet. A picture of what we're to do in our own lives. And by the way, it's not just the Old Testament. Notice how close this is to one we are very familiar with. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go therefore. 
We, like, like Ezekiel, are a sent people. God has sent us. And make disciples, Matthew 28 says. Primary command, served by the rest of these commands, but make disciples of all nations. It's universal. He's going to the people. We're speaking the word everywhere that all people might know that He is God. Speaking that word. Then we're baptizing them. So we have to proclaim the gospel to them. We've got to lead them to Jesus. We've got to tell them the good news. And then we're teaching them the word. And that's not happening from a pastor. That's happening from the people. It's not a prophet. It's the people teaching people to follow Jesus and what God's word says. I want you to hear this so crystal clear this morning. What we do in the vision of our church as God's people was so clearly expressed last week. And I am so incredibly proud. And I want to just hold that up for you. Because what took place last week with Chad putting his faith in Jesus Christ was not because Chad came here and heard a sermon. And by the way, praise God whenever God's Word is preached from this platform and people come to faith in Jesus. But the primary function of the preaching of the Word on a Sunday morning is to equip the saints to serve so that they might go out into the community and live out the Gospel and proclaim the Gospel and teach others the Word of Christ. That's the point. That's what happened. And so Chad and even Charlie has had some conversations with Chad. They've just been talking with Chad over a little bit of time and getting to know him and, and sharing Jesus with him. And man, you trusted in Jesus because God's Spirit used faithful people to bring the Word to you and the Word brought about faith. Praise the Lord. That's what happened. Then Chad comes to this place and he sits in on Connect Group. And man, I, don't want to sing, I, I hate to single you out, but this is such a picture of this. Is that all right with you? I, I didn't even ask him beforehand. But, all right. So Chad comes last Sunday night and he sits in connect group and here's what's happening. I'm watching this take place right before my very eyes. He, he, is, he is feasting on the word. He, he, he knows some of the word. He's given some answers to the questions. And then there's other people talking to him and sitting down and praying with him. Just a picture of God's people teaching him the word and just walking with him and, and teaching him what it means to follow Jesus. That's the picture. When I stood there at that third row from the back on this side and led, led Chad to Jesus last week, it's not because I did anything, but the Spirit of God was using you. That's the beauty of this thing. And that's the call on our lives to speak the Word. We give the Word a voice so that people will hear. And this is the call on our lives. Now bring that back into the big picture. And y'all, I just get excited about this and I'm just going to run out, run out of time if I'm not careful this morning. But just bring this back to the big picture, right? We, we want to be a people. We want to be an army. Y'all want to be an army for the gospel? Is that just my want? I mean, am I just praying for that? I hope you are. You want to be an army for the gospel, right? Taking the gospel out of the world and seeing people saved and man, seeing people's lives changed and transformed and living for Jesus. And man, it just that's, that's what I want to be, right? If we're going to be that people, we've got to have a vision for the glory of God. And we've got to be a people who speak the Word of God. Being an army for the Lord doesn't just happen. In as much as, watch this now, in as much as God interrupts our lives, we talked about that last week, to speak to us, he has sent us into the world to interrupt the lives of people who are lost and going to hell and in need of Jesus and to give them hope. 
and to say that God has spoken not just to me, but he's spoken to you. That's the task of the Christian. And God continues to lead us in that a supremely greater vision for his glory. And yes, we must be a people who give voice to the word of God. So we must all be God's voice. Every single one of us as we speak his word. The call of the passage is the call to speak his word among our family. To tell them the good news of Jesus. And some of you have lost family members. You have hurting family members. You have immature Christian family members. And you need to be the voice of truth as you speak God's word to them. Some of you have lost neighbors. Neighbors who are in need. Co-workers. You're with them every day. I, I, I go to job on the weekends, Fridays, Saturdays with guys who I know are lost and we've just even begun to breach the conversations of what it means to follow Jesus. And I, I'm praying, I'm praying that as the gospel goes forth from my mouth that the Spirit of God would apply it to their hearts. And some of you need to do the same. The people we meet on vacation, I thought about that this morning. How many... Um, how many conversations I've passed up standing at lines at Disney World. What if we really, really believed that we are the voice of God's word to the people all over the world? What if that was really our goal? Well, in order for that to happen, there's some things that need to take place in our lives. The same things that happened to Ezekiel here in this passage. And I want to just emphasize these four to you this morning. If we're going to be God's voice, there's some things we've got to get straight in our lives. And the first one is this. God's Word must have our attention. God's Word must have our attention. Chapter one or chapter two, rather, verse one. Stand on your feet and I will speak with you. Verse two says that as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into my heart and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. When God speaks, we must listen. Everything from the reading of God's Word in our devotional life to the sitting under the preaching or teaching of God's Word in church, when God speaks, we must give regard. All of this goes back to what we mentioned last week, and that is that attitude of reverence toward a holy God. If you reverence the Lord in His character, then you will reverence the moment when He speaks. And to disregard, to disregard God's Word is to sin grievously against Him. Why? Because if God has spoken, He's spoken with purpose and it commands the attention of all people. Now, you don't just give the Word the attention that is due the Word unless you've been born again. That's why we see the Spirit kind of lifting up Ezekiel because he realizes he doesn't have any right to hear God. 
He doesn't have any right to listen to God and not be ultimately destroyed because of his sin. And I want you to hear this this morning, to come into the presence of a holy God and just expect we can casually, flippantly read his word without any regard for his holiness is to miss the entire character of who God is. If we, if we were to stand before the voice of God, we would be utterly obliterated. The voice of God that created us is the same voice that can destroy us because of our sin. And all of us, just like Israel, Israel are a rebellious house. So what happens? He commands Ezekiel to stand up. Stand to your feet, Ezekiel. I love that. <laughs> Makes me think. You better get up when I'm talking to you, son. <laughs> oh, all the dads and granddads in the room. You know, we, we just, we know that what the voice of respect is. But he couldn't do it. He needed the Spirit to lift him up. Because he was broken and lost. And see, that's what happens whenever we're born again. The Spirit of God takes up residence in our life. Stands us to our feet as God in Christ has forgiven our sin and we hear with attention and ultimately love for the Word. He stands us to our feet. It deserves our attention. You can't be the voice for God's Word if you're not paying attention to the Word yourself. Secondly, God's Word must have our obedience. God's Word must have our obedience. Chapter 2, verse 3. He said to me, Son of man, I'm going to send you to a people, people of Israel. Nations of rebels. Listen to all the ways that they're described. Nations of rebels, they've rebelled against me. They've transgressed against me. To transgress is just simply to, to, to cross the line, to, to violate God's law, to disregard His Word. They've transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. And I send you to them and you shall say, thus says, thus says the Lord. And then verse 5 says when they hear or refuse to hear, that doesn't, that's not the picture. It's not, doesn't matter in this case whether they refuse or, uh, or whether they hear or refuse to hear. Ultimately, that has no bearing on Ezekiel that you, son of man, be not afraid nor be dis, uh, nor do not be afraid of their words, though briars and, uh, briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions, which is an interesting picture. Pain, pain, the midst of pain. Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed, and you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Do you see the contrast? He's saying this is who Israel is, and Ezekiel, this is who you are to be. God's Word, just to simply study for intellectual sake and to understand what it means and where it came from and the different pieces to it and to, to have an understanding of how the Bible was transmitted for thousands of years and, and to be able to, to, to list all of those things, none of that really matters if there's no obedience to the Scripture. See, the Bible is living. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It actually changes us. There is an expectation to look into the Word as a mirror and to see ourselves and who God is and to be transformed by its power. And my friend, if you only know the Word and you've not been changed by the Word, you can never be a voice for the Word because you may not have been born again by the Word. Do you hear me? 
We are changed when we know God's Word. God changes us when He speaks to us. And the disobedience is just simply not a picture for God's people. I'm not saying that to be born again is to be perfect and to always obey the Word without fail. But if there is not a yearning and a hunger for obedience that works itself out and comes to, comes to, to be in your life, where you're obeying God more and more each day, then there's a problem. There's a problem. And we certainly can never be a voice for it. I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to who did not know Jesus, who said that their number one, it's just an excuse, but their number one reason why they didn't want to come and know Jesus is because of all the hypocrites in the church. We can't be God's voice if we are not living it out. Oh, I just want to camp out here. It is, it is not sufficient for us to live out the gospel only and not use words. Amen? I've heard this said. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. False. We can't preach the gospel without using words. However, if we don't preach the gospel with our actions while we're preaching the gospel with our words, we will actually invalidate, nullify the gospel we preach by the way that we live. Because it is power to change. We've been transformed by its power. We must be obedient to the word. If, as a side note, before we move on, you are here this morning and you do not know Jesus. I want you to hear this. And I, my prayer is this will go forth on podcast to the world. Your excuse of all of the hypocrites in church is only a shadow for your rebellion against God. Hypocrites aren't keeping you out of church and away from Jesus. Your rebellion against a holy God and you need to repent and turn to Christ. And the good news of the gospel is that he will save you today. We've got to move on. Number three. We've got to have our attention on the word. It needs our obedience. And third, God's word must have our affections. Oh, how I wish we had time to spend here more than we do. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, when he got that word in his mouth and, and just lay aside that it's weird for a moment. When he got that word in his mouth, he ate it, the end of verse 3 says, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Oh, is the word as sweet as honey to you? And you can, you can fill in with whatever picture you want. Um, I love what Psalm 119 says, that His Word is better than rubies and diamonds. It's better than the most costly of things we could know on this earth. Christian, as one preacher asked, is, is it better for you to have God's Word than it is for your next paycheck? Like, are you looking forward more to your devotional time with the Lord in His Word than you're looking forward to your tax return? Some of you are going, I ain't getting a tax return. But anyway, you get the point, right? You get the point. Are you looking forward to being in God's Word because it's as sweet as honey? Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? 
and want to grow thereby? Is there an affection, a holy affection for His Word? It just absolutely breaks my heart. The number of Christian homes where Bibles sit on shelves. It just... To hear the, to hear the statistics of, of the, the Bible literacy in our pews just absolutely breaks my heart. I hope that that's not the case here. I hope there's an affection for God's Word where you just want it. You want to read and you want to know and you want to memorize and you want to understand and you want to see it lived out in your own life. I I pray that that's true. So Ezekiel has an affection for the Word. It's as sweet as honey. And then finally, God's Word must have our conviction. God's Word must have our conviction. I love the picture in chapter... Uh, or in chapter 3 at the end here, this passage. The picture is that there are stubborn people, and there's all kind of pictures given in Scripture about the stubbornness of people. This one, their foreheads are hard. I, I remember, never forget my grandpa growing up, always used to call all the cousins hardhead when they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Hardheaded. We know what that means in the South. This, this, we get this. And we as parents know how to combat that hard-headedness, don't we? As hard-headed as you are, I'm more hard-headed. However hard you fight, I'm going to fight harder. And we don't do that out of hate or discontent. We do that out of love. And it's the same thing that God was calling Ezekiel to. God says, however hard their heads are, I'm going to make your, hard, your head harder. You will not you will not fall prey to their stubbornness. Be strong. Be bold. Stand on the strength of God's Word. And you need to hear that whether it's people or culture or, or things out in this world, everything around us is clawing away at and trying to be more stubborn than the Word of God is within us. And what God is saying to Ezekiel is, you must stand on a conviction for God's Word. Be hard-headed about the Bible. You can tweet that. Be hard-headed about the Bible. And then he gives this second picture. This bitterness. And I just had a conversation about this this week. There is a bitterness about him. It says that the Spirit lifted me up. Verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness... In the heat of my spirit, the, the picture of bitterness there is the water of, bitter, water of bitterness. There's a, there was a practice whenever a wife was called in adultery in that time that if she wouldn't admit it, that there was a water of bitter, bitterness that was given to her so as to try to invoke a confession. It's kind of torture treatment. I mean, take it as you will. But what he's saying is, is there is such a tension in me. The same tension, the same kind of tension that the wife would hold on to that secret with and try to contain it. There's the same kind of tension and and heat of spirit stored up in Ezekiel that it's now in my gut, in my belly. I got to say it. It's the same thing Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 31, I think that it is. Jeremiah 29, maybe. It's the same thing as Jeremiah said, that God's Word is shut up in my bones like a burning fire. I cannot contain it. He tried to keep from speaking His Word and he could not contain His Word. And so there should be for us a 
burning desire, a tension, a bitterness, a a hunger to speak God's Word and to tell our neighbor. Some of you have experienced it, haven't you? Some of you have that neighbor or that coworker or that friend that you knew you needed to speak to and you went on for days and weeks and months and didn't say anything until it just overcame you. It's the Spirit of God. And we must be a people who not only have a vision for the glory of God that is supremely above all else, we've got to be a people that are willing to give the Word of God a voice to those around us. You hear the preaching from this pulpit, but there are hundreds that will hear the voice of God's Word from you. And so will you live sent? Will you be sent to a people to proclaim God's Word? I encourage you to bow your heads this morning. And some of you say, well, I just feel so unqualified. I don't know a lot about the Bible. And and I want to just encourage you this morning that it's not a a matter of your knowledge at this point. It's a matter of your obedience. Every prophet that was called of God was given the words to say as they needed it. It is not to say that you don't get into God's Word and study it. That is your responsibility absolutely to get in there and give it your attention and to know it and to want it and to obey it and then to speak it with your, with your words and your life. But it's not enough for that to happen. God's got to get hold of you. Has He got a hold of you to do this? Just a few moments. I want to just encourage you as we begin to sing that you would pray in the quietness of your heart as you think about your love for God's Word and your willingness to share God's Word, where are you at with it? Some of you this morning, you've not met the Word. <laughs> the Word incarnate that we sang about this morning. Jesus, who is the powerful name above every other name. And you need to know Jesus today like Chad did last week. You need to trust in Christ today. You need to be changed. You need to submit your life to His Lordship in your life. And so in just a few moments when we stand, I want to encourage you to step out of the place where you're standing and come down this aisle. Say today, Pastor, I, I want to follow Jesus. I've not been obedient to His Word. I've not been following Him. I, I don't know His Word. I, I've not been changed by Him. Today, I, I want to be saved. I want to be changed. And God, I need Jesus. So if that's your prayer today, I want to encourage you to come as you step out of the place where you've been standing and you just say, Pastor, today I want to follow Jesus with my life. And we'll help you. Others of you in this room need a, need a, a deeper study of God's Word. Some of you need to be living out God's Word more. Some of you need to be sharing God's Word more. Whatever the case is, you need to be obedient today and be risen to your feet as God calls you obey. So all across the room, as we stand together, I'm going to pray. And the invitation will be, and let's stand together. Lord, have your way in this place. We pray, God, that you would be honored in the proclamation of your word to the world. And as we decide to do that this morning, would you fill us with your spirit? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Even as the music begins to play, you come this morning. The altar is open. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening. 
And may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.